So I'll now turn to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, in fact. And after you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, we're now going to go to verses 15 through 18. 2 Corinthians 6, 15 through 18. And if you could please stand to honor the reading of God's word. If you can. If you can't, I understand that. It's okay. And it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 15 through 18. What agreement has Christ with Belial? Or what part has he who believes with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I live in them and walk in them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Thou bless and honor the reading of his word, and you may be seated. When is it Father's Day? When is it Father's Day? Now we know the holiday, on the holiday that it is, the celebration is always the third Sunday. That's when it is, and it's June every year. We know that this year is June 18th. That's today, incidentally. Get a hold of your father. Tell him thank you if you can. Remember him today. It's hard for some people when their father is not around. My father is in heaven. It's not so hard for me anymore. It was for the first few years, but it's not that hard for me because my father is with me every single day. He's with me. I hear his voice every day. I hear him. I feel him every day. So I know where he's at. And I'm going to see him again. It's just a matter of time. So I'm not so, so concerned about that. I know where he's at. Is, is Father's Day hard on me? No, it's not. Because I feel like it's an honor to remember him and to get to honor him with what I get to do. Um, and therefore, it's not that difficult for me. It, but I know that Father's Day is more than just a day in which we can remember them and honor them. It's more than that. Every day should be Father's Day. Every day is the day for a father to take lead. So every day should be Father's Day, a day for the father to take lead in the house. Now, when people say that, they're like, well, that sounds sexist. I don't think people know what that means. They don't know what that word means anymore. They've taken the definition out of, out of that word, the word sexist. They don't know what that word means. It's never Father's Day in a lot of people's minds if it means taking lead. Actually, the father is to take lead in the house in the sense that, in the sense that, in, in some ways, the father's never to take the lead in the house. In, the, in reality, in, in a Christian home, is he? Well, let's talk about that. In a way, the father does take the lead, but not really. The father's never in charge of the house. In a way, the father's only in charge in the sense that he takes the charge in allowing God to take lead. So in reality, with, whether they know it or not, the father never takes the lead. The father only takes the lead in showing the rest of the family how to let God lead them. And they just don't realize it. Now, part of that is the fault of fathers. 
a lot of fathers have never taken lead in allowing God to lead them because they want to be the one in charge. And that's why so many families have fallen apart. And so we got a problem there. Another problem is that there's been a lot of fathers who weren't even in the house. They up and left and took charge themselves of their own lust and other things. And I'm not talking about any of you here, but there's a lot of them who uh, maybe not anyone you knew, maybe there's many that you knew who did that, but they've not been a father. They may have done what needed to be done for, to, to follow their own lust and then left. And that's been a problem. So a father is supposed to take lead to follow God the Father, the Abba Father. Abba Father, what does that mean? Well, that is the Aramaic word, Abba Father, uh, not even Hebrew word. It, Abba Father, God the Father. He's supposed to take the lead of the home. And that's what we're going to talk about today. God the Father is supposed to take the lead of our home. The wife is to follow the husband, to follow God. And with following the mother and the father comes the children. If they're not following God the Father, who's supposed to be following, uh, leading everyone in the home, if not, it throws everything off balance. Everything's off. Everything. And that's why we have so many problems in this society today. It's why America is not what America used to be. People so often say, well, America isn't what it once was, and that's why, if you can take it all the way back, all the way back into the 1940s, right after World War II, everything started going off askew just a little bit. And you can say, well, why? What happened? Well, what happened? We started having a rebellion. But you can take it even further than that. You can start seeing that there was a man, a scientist, a man, a quote-unquote scientist who didn't believe in the Lord God. He wanted to start teaching things in school. Into school, he started trying to tell them that they needed to start taking God out of the school. And slow but sure, he started putting poison, poison into the society. And he started trying to change different ideas about the Lord and wanted to take it out. And when they did that, slow but sure, he started putting that drop of poison one ear at a time. One ear at a time. And what's interesting is, when people first start hearing about one person's opinion or one person's idea, you know what we always think? Oh, well, their opinion is just their opinion. And we often think, it doesn't matter because it's not going to affect me. And I know because I've done it myself many, many times. But one opinion affects another opinion, affects another opinion, affects another opinion, affects another opinion. So finally and suddenly, there's a whole neighborhood who thinks differently, and another neighborhood, another, and you say, that's just their life. Leave them alone. Don't be a bully. Don't tell them how to think. Well, folks, we're not, no one can tell another person how to think. But if you allow, if you allow someone to just do their own thing without showing them, I'm not talking about bullying them, but without showing them the truth of the Lord God, what happens? A whole society has changed. So school eventually, because of that one individual who starts showing them and taking his idea, by the way, here's a question. If you don't have the right to tell the truth of the Lord God, what gives them the right to tell the idea without the Lord? There you go. So what happened was eventually, eventually, and when we got into the 1960s, they started trying to take the Lord God out of the school, take the prayer. That was the first part. Then one at a time, one at a time. Well, it's just one thing. No, no. It starts with one. And then before long, before long, it's all being taken out. It's all being taken out. So this is what happens. It throws everything off kilter. And God's perfect design of a good, godly home is done. And that's what happens. The title of today's sermon is Father's Day. Because every day is supposed to be the Father's Day. Talking about Father God, Abba Father. 
That's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be Father's Day. And we're not talking about you who put the seed. No, no, we're talking about Father God's Day. This goes for all husbands and wives, all mamas and daddies. All of us are supposed to put Father God first. That's how it's supposed to be. If not, our whole life, our whole life is not right. You're going to see your job is not right. Your likes, your dislikes, everything's off and God is not number one in your life. Families are not right. Everything is not right. If we don't put him number one in our lives first, I've noticed many days in my life. I think I need to, do, to put God first and suddenly I, I let something on my phone or something else distract me and all of a sudden my thoughts and everything gets distracted and God's not become first. He needs to be first in our life. So Father, and I'm talking about fathers, fathers are to be the leader and the teacher of the home. We're to be the leader and the teacher of the home. That's what a father is supposed to be. Now, I've never been blessed as a daddy. I wish I had been. I'd love it. I'd love to be a father. It'd be wonderful. Now, there'd be a lot of headaches with it, too, because that's the way it is. But you know what? It would be worth it. It would be worth it. Be, the, the goods would outweigh the bads in the long run. But a father is to be a leader and a teacher of the home. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 7. Now, keep in mind, this is the... the passage about the agape love that's what it's about agape love but listen to what it says that's god's love here we go love this is first corinthians chapter 13 verse 4 through 7 love suffers long and is kind love envies not love flaunts it's not itself and is not puffed up does not behave itself improperly seeks not its own is not easily provoked thinks no evil Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. How many fathers have we seen nowadays who puts their own love before the child? They, be, they can be arrogant. They take their own uh, wants and desires and put it before the, for the children. I've seen it so many times. Uh, I can't believe it sometimes. You get uh, alcoholism a lot of times where they will, will choose to drink before they put the child's health before their own. The, the beating on a child, I realize they're not in the right mind at that point, but there's selfishness and they put it before the child. Or how many sexual desires have I seen that, that uh, a father has put upon themselves and throw the whole family away because they care more about their sexual desires than the, their love for the child or for their wives or whatever. This is because they are acting, as this says, improperly. They're seeking its own self. They're easily provoked. They're thinking evil. They're thinking of all these things, not putting the Lord first. But when a father is following the love of the father with his, his agape love, God's love, and only a Christian can have that agape love. I talk about that a lot. It is true. If you follow the love of God as a Christian father, everything else will be in place. But if not, it won't. And that's a shame. That's a real shame. It is. This is what it says in James 1 through 2 about being a teacher and a leader of a home. And if, if you don't have that, nowhere else is going to help. Nowhere else. It's not going to help at, at school. Now, I, here's the thing. It's true that you can have good mentorship, and that's good. We talked about that in Sunday school today, mentorship. That's good. If, if you don't have it in your own home, all the other people can help a little. But if you don't have it in your own home and you're being misled at home, that's the basis. That's the blueprint. That's the, 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 the basic grounding of a child. It says in James 3, 1 through 2, 
you need it at home. It says, my brothers, not many of you should become teachers, knowing that we shall receive the greater judgment. We all err in many ways, but if any man does not err in word, he is a perfect man and able also to control the whole body. Now, what does that mean? It means that we're not all going to be teachers in the church, but you are a teacher in your home. So what I'm saying by this is that you are going to be the teacher in your home, no matter what. That's why you need to know the word, go to church, study, know it in your heart, follow and teach in home by your actions. We say so often by your actions, you're known. You can't expect your child to be raised right if you're not raised right. And by the way, Sometimes people fall back on that. Well, I didn't do things right, or I wasn't raised right. I wasn't treated right by my mother or my father, or I made mistakes. So it's not fair that they should expect me to teach my kids right. What a bunch of nonsense is that? You still have God in your life. If your father didn't treat you right, if your father and mother, by the way, I am sorry if your father didn't treat you right. I really am. If your father didn't give you everything that he should have, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I really am sorry. I've, I've been speaking with people recently who were uh, beaten or mistreated in other horrible mannerisms, uh, horrible ways, by their father. And I am so incredibly sorry for anyone who was mistreated by their father. In my opinion, some of those men weren't really being a father. They were being, they were being beasts. They were being animals. And I'm not talking about spankings, by the way. I'm not talking about discipline. There's different types of discipline. But we're not talking about a father who's disciplining correctly. We're talking about fathers who allow their lusts, they allow their anger, they allow their own selfish desires again to take over. And that's happened. Now, that's, that's a rare thing, uh, and if they're men of God, and they're letting God guide them, that's not going to happen. Because, but unfortunately, even godly men sometimes go into the ways of the flesh and not the ways of the world, the word, but not real godly men, not men who are really following God. But the point of all this is to say is I've known Christian women who's, and men whose lives have been horribly scarred for the rest of their lives because of things that their fathers have done and their mothers. But that doesn't mean that you have to let your whole life be ruined by that and don't let it ruin your relationship with your children. You can take that, as we were just talking about Sunday school, you can take what happened and change it for the good. Don't believe that just because you had a bad relationship with your father that you're all alone because guess what? Guess what? You have a new father. You have a new father. You have Abba Father, Father God. He will love you. He will take you. He will take you and guide you to a new relationship, a relationship to a father that you never had before. And even if you had a godly, wonderful father, that father was able to treat you the way he was because of his relationship with the Father God. And that's the truth. Remember that. Remember that. And here's another thing. There's a lot of wonderful dads out there who want to be a friend to their kid. Don't do that. Never be a father, excuse me, never be father the friend. That's dangerous. Never be father the friend. 
That's dangerous. However, instead, be a friendly father. And there's a difference between being father of the friend and a friendly father. There's a great difference. I've seen father of the friend. Father of the friend is the guy who will give up his fatherly responsibilities in order to please his child. That is a mistake and a half. God talks against that. But on the other hand, if a father is a father first, he can always be friendly and kind to them after his fatherly duties and the child can come back to them. I was corrected on this one time when I heard a pastor speaking about this. He was speaking about how a father should never try to be the best palsy wowsy with their child. And I said, well, I'm good friends with my father, and I, and I am, I was. And I remember uh, the individual says, I know your dad. Your dad was your dad first. And that's a fact. If I was ever disrespectful to my father, ooh, let me tell you something. My father would have this change on him. And he did too. And you can say amen, David. I know you know it's true. Amen? <laughs> it was true. Now, if you disrespect my dad, his eyes would get this bold. And he's like, son, I made it now. He would say, and he was right. You know why? Because he had a position that God put him in. To make, especially if I said something that was disrespectful to the Lord. Now, I didn't know I was being disrespectful to the Lord. But I remember one time I said a joke that I thought I was being funny. And dad told me, son, don't you ever say that again. And he showed me how what I said was actually kind of blasphemous. Now, I didn't know I was being blasphemous. I, I really just thought I was being funny. I was just being stupid. But he told me later on and showed me how that was actually kind of blasphemous. And guess what? I've never said it again, but I never forgot it either. You know why that was important? If he had just let it go, I may have continued to build on with that because that's what ignorant kids, by ignorant, I don't mean stupid. I mean, they don't know better. They don't know better. And they would have thought it was funny and that daddy liked it, so I'll do it again, I'll do it again, I'll do it again. And hey, he's a pastor, by the way, so if it's okay with the pastor, then it must be okay with God, right? And if it's okay with dad, and I got dad's laughter and approval, then I'll just keep doing it, I'll get more approval. But dad was smart because he corrected me. And by the way, dads and moms, you know your kids want your approval. Don't ever, ever, ever trade in. Don't ever trade in the respect for approval. Don't do that. God gave you a position, a position. God respects you enough to give you a position don't trade that in for approval, for just a momentary approval. Because in the end, you're going to lose their respect and their approval. And that's a fact. And you know what? I had one guy tell me one time years ago, but you've never been a dad. How would you know that? Well, you don't have to be a bird to know they fly. I don't know how to fly because I can't do it. But that doesn't mean I don't know. Don't have to be a bird to know they do. And I don't have to be a bird to know that they flap their wings. My point is, is I don't have to be a father to know that uh, what a father does by reading the word of God by the father of the father. Ephesians 6, 4. Listen to this now. This is important too. This is very important. Fathers, this is Ephesians 6, 4. Very important. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, wait a minute. Pastor, you just said, do not bring them up in anger, but then you said a discipline. No, I didn't say it. The Lord God did through his word. But guess what? Discipline, discipline is not the same as anger. Okay, they might be frustrated for a moment, but don't temp, don't test their temper. It says not to, to, to tempt them. It says not to push them. It says not to bring out your anger on them. 
still discipline them. Do what's right. They may not like it. In fact, I guarantee they're not going to like it. I didn't like what my mother, mother did and what my father did. I don't even always like when I'm corrected by the Lord God. I'll be honest with you. But I appreciate it. I appreciate when God tells me to shut up. God tells you to shut up. Yes, he does. Through the Holy Spirit. I don't mean there's an audible voice that says, shut up, shut up. I don't mean that. That would scare me. Where do you think all my hair went? No, I'm kidding. But the fact is, the fact is, is God, thank you, Lord, by the way. Thank you, Lord, Father, Abba, Father, for shutting me up when I need to be shut up. Thank you, Abba, Father, for telling us to be quiet and giving us the Holy Spirit to discipline us and do what is right. Amen. Proverbs 22, verse 6, and this is important to all fathers. And you know this, I quote it all the time. And boy, the parents need this nowadays. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. This is not just a he, by the way, it's they. But train up a child the way he should go, and when he is old, he, it will not he will not depart from it. This doesn't mean that the kid is always going to do right, and you know that. But it means it's never going to leave his heart and mind. He'll remember it. I remember, well, you just heard me. I just quoted my dad and my mom. And I quote my grandma, and I quote y'all all the time. I remember what I was taught. I remember to this day what I was taught. We still remember stuff in history, what we're taught. Do not trade it in for a momentary clap or a momentary like on Facebook. Don't do that because it doesn't matter. What matters is the truth. And Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, the life, and the light. We need to remember that. We need to remember that. Psalms 103, verse 13. Psalm 103, verse 13 says, Like the father shows compassion to his child, so the Lord gives compassion to those who fear him. Well, we're supposed to be afraid of God. No, that means those who respect and honor him and follow him. Doesn't mean be afraid and scared and terrified. But we need to have that, to have respect and honor that type of fear. That's what I said. <laughs> Now, if we turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7, listen to this now. Oh, listen to this. Sorry, I need a drink. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7. Because it says, endure discipline. Hebrews 12, 7 says, endure discipline. I'm going to stop for just a second. Endure discipline. Receive discipline. Receive discipline endure go through that discipline go through the discipline the author whoever it was i believe it was paul I could be wrong he says to endure that discipline to take that discipline it doesn't say make excuses for it it doesn't say to turn him in to child services it doesn't say to make excuses and say oh i'm just going to sit him in the corner because that's what what dr spock said to do years ago no it doesn't say that it doesn't say i'm never going to do that again i'm never going to put discipline on my child because my child's probably right. I never forget one time I had I, I was listening to a parent and said, I was going to do this to my child. And then my child said, I don't think that's right. Don't you think I should do this or this? And if I do that wrong again, then you discipline me? And they said, I stopped and thought about that. And I thought, you know what? They had a point. And I said, well, there's your first problem. You're listening to the child. The child was disciplining you about your discipline. How stupid is that? Shock upon shock, the child ended up becoming... Uh, Addicted to drugs and doing all sorts of other things. Anyway, I'm shocked. Not really. Because this is what happens when you don't listen to God and you listen to the, the child who's odd. I apologize. This is what happens. You're supposed to listen to the Lord. 
not to the child that, that God put in your care. By the way, they're only on loan to you. They're only on loan to you. They're the Lord's before they're yours. It says, endure discipline. This is Hebrews 12, 7. Endure discipline. God is dealing with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not discipline? Because when he cares about them, he disciplines them. He's trying to teach them to do what's right. He loves them. He loves them enough to teach them what is right. I know they don't mean to, at least I'm assuming. But when a father loves a son, he wants them to know what's right. I mean, I'm assuming, and we got to remember the society we're in. They're taught a million times over on TV and all these goofy shows. They're taught, when you love a child, you never hurt them, you never touch them, you never do, you don't hurt their feelings. No, feelings only come for a moment, and then they go away like the wind. But what the truth stays with us forever, and we got to remember that. I'm thankful for my weapons. I'm thankful for being grounded. I'm thankful for being grounded from drawing. Thank you, Mom. I appreciate being grounded from drawing. You know, I really am thankful for all that stuff. You know why? I remember it to this day, and I remember what I did to get that. And I remember not to do it again. You know why I'm glad for that? I'm glad because I know where they got their ideas. I'm not saying my mom and dad is perfect. I'm not saying that, that your mom and dad was perfect. But I know one thing. The one they were following is... God is, not was, is perfect. And when they got their morality lessons, it came from the perfect one. But my mom and dad grabbed me when they shouldn't have, but they did that by accident. But guess what? You're not perfect either. And you lied to them so many times that they thought because by your actions you were known. If you didn't want to get grounded because of a mistake, you shouldn't have lied 15 times before that. The whole point is not to, to point out all your lies. The point is they make mistakes too, but God doesn't, the one who's leading them. Remember that. Remember that. All right, I'll move on. 1 Corinthians 16, 14. 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Let all that you do be done with love. This is important because some parents let their emotions take over. That's not good. Let it be done with love. I was very thankful for my father. He would come down to me. It's not that he didn't make mistakes. He did, just like everybody. But he would come down to me and always let me know he loves me. And he, if he did make a mistake, he would always tell me, well, I was wrong about this. I wasn't wrong to discipline you, but it was the way I did it. And that meant more to me than anything. That meant more to me than anything, is that he took the time to come down and talk to me. He never let his ego get in the way. I appreciated that. I really did. That's important, parents. Important. A father and son relationship is vital because a father is to be a guide, a protector, support, and he is to prepare. He is to prepare and he is to be, for a son, he is to be an example of how or who to be like. And why? Because he is being constructed by God. And so for a son, it's vital and important to construct them like you're being constructed by God uh, as an example of how or who to be like to your son. And then to a daughter. A father and daughter relationship is vital too. 
because he is a guide and a protector and a support to her, and he's preparing her as an example of who or what kind of man to look for. And he's constructed by God to do so. This is vital and important. So a man must be very careful. Because a father and child's relationship, relationship is to show them by your actions first and by loving instruction. Just like our, our father God does. And he didn't just do it by words and words alone. He did it by his actions. He disciplined his people when they were in the wilderness. He disciplined them and he showed them through his loving action of his son. Because he came in the form of his son. We're going to get to that in just a moment. But let me just tell you what he said through John. John said this. Now, John wasn't a father necessarily, but he was a father figure when he led the people and instructed them as a teacher. And when he said this in 3 John 1, 4, and someday we're going to have a, a discussion of John. We're going to talk about some of John's words as he quoted Jesus here in a moment. But John said an awful lot, and he said this to the people in 3 John 1, 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And don't you know that God thinks the same thing when he sees you, his child, walking in truth? It says in Proverbs 14.26, Proverbs 14.26, In the fear of the Lord, remember what I said about respect and honor following him, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge. Remember, you're in God's arms. You are his child. He is Abba Father. I'm talking about those who are Christians like you, Christian soldiers. He has you. Proverbs 3, 3 through 4 says this, and it's very important. Do not let mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Now, I'm going to read to you, I'm going to read to you something that was said in the book of John, and this is important. I want you to remember that Jesus walked around with the apostles. He walked around with the apostles, and he spoke with them so very, very often. If you have a Bible, open up with me. If you don't, I understand that. But I wanted to read this to you. I, someday soon, I want to have a sermon all about the Last Supper. All about the Last Supper. But this here is some of the verses, because it's just too many. I can't read them all. It's chapter after chapter after chapter. John, who was there? John, who's known as the Beloved. Now, why is he known as the Beloved? Is that nepotism? No. John didn't want to write his name. That's why he, he calls himself the Beloved. He didn't want to be arrogant. That's why he calls himself the Beloved One. So he doesn't write his own name, unless he's speaking in a, uh, as a third person. But uh, when he's talking about those who were there. But this is, what, uh, this is what is said here. In John chapter 15, chapter 15, verses 5 through 11. Keep in mind, Jesus is speaking to the disciples at the Last Supper. This is what is said here. Now think about this setting here. And I want to explain to you what happened. He's here at the Last Supper. And Jesus is wanting to speak to his disciples. Now I know what you're thinking, to his apostles. You're thinking there's 12. Yes and no. He just sent one of them to be gone. One of them is no longer with us because Judas, who Jesus knew was going to betray him, he said, I no longer need him around. Now, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, of course. So he sent Judas away. He didn't want Judas there anymore. So he sent him gone. Get out. <laughs> he said, go do what you must do. But he now had the ones that he knew he could trust. 
the ones that he could be intimate with. Have you ever had anybody in your life? I'm not asking you to answer this course, but answer in your own mind. Have you ever had anyone in your life that you know you had to walk on eggshells around? Don't you hate that? You want to be loving with them. You want to be trustworthy of them, and you can't be. You have to walk on eggshells. I have that all the time. I've had that. I don't mean all the time, but I've had that before all the time. And I don't want that. Well, Jesus had to walk on eggshells with Judas because he knew that. So he sent him out. And now he could have his one-on-one -on -one intimate moment. Listen to what he says in John 15. John 15, 5 through 11. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man does not remain in me, he is thrown out as a branch and withers. And he get, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you will ask whatever you desire, and it shall be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also love you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, it remain in his love. I have spoken these things to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is what Jesus spoke to them, and then he went on, he says so much more, and I can't get into it all, but notice what he's saying. He's preparing himself to the Father. He is the Father, and the Father's in Him, and He's in the Father. He's one and one. That's what it says in John 16, 25-33. I have told you these things in Proverbs, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in Proverbs, for I will speak to you plainly about the Father. On that day you will ask in my name, I am not saying that I shall ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world. As I said, I am leaving the world and am going to the Father. His disciples said to him, Yes, now you are speaking plainly and with no figure of speech. Now we know that you, that you know everything and do not need anyone to question you. By this we believe that you came from God. And Jesus, listen to this now. He's, Jesus answered them, Do you know, now believe? Listen, the hour is coming. Yes, it has come. Come that you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace in the world you will have tribulation but be of good cheer i have overcome the world now children of god i'm speaking to you the pastor is speaking to you. listen to these words here you are in this world you are living in this world and so very often we feel alone we feel alone as if we're all alone out there. You see stuff on the news every day. You feel all alone. You may say to yourself, but how is it that there could be a God? I'm not saying you necessarily, but you see the people of the world said, I saw this today. One of the people I knew, 
if there's a God, how come there's so many bad things? You've heard that probably 2,567 times. And I might be exaggerating by one. I don't know. But the truth be told is there's so many times we hear that or you see things happening. It's because we're in the last day. And God needs to speak to you and through you to others. God the Father, all the Father speaking to us right now. We need to listen to the Father. We need to speak to the Father. We need to pray every day, have intimate relationship with the Father. Let him speak. Let him speak to us and through us to other people. But that can't happen if you don't have intimate relationship with your Father. How many times have I seen people say, I didn't have a good relationship with my father. Folks, how many people don't recognize God's voice when he's speaking to you because you don't know God like you can know God and you should know God right now. If you don't recognize God's voice, it's because it's all on you, not on him, because you're not listening to him. Listen to him now. And right here, you're gonna hear, not only is Jesus saying that he is God, he is God standing before them and they didn't even recognize him because right before this, Philip, I'm talking about the man I was named after, Philip, not this man, Philip didn't recognize what he was saying, Jesus Christ didn't recognize it, Thomas didn't recognize it, the others didn't recognize that God was standing in front of them. And here we are, getting ready to hear that Jesus speak to his father one-on-one -on -one and listen to the words in chapter 17. Oh, you're gonna love chapter 17. If you don't, there's something wrong with you. Chapter 17 of John is the greatest chapter. I'm gonna read every single word of chapter 17. Because this is a one-on-one -on -one discussion, a discussion, a talking point between father and son. And that's confusing for some. I thought you said Jesus was God. And God is Jesus. He is. But he's speaking son to father. And on Father's Day, there's nothing better than this. And he's doing it. Speaking son to father. Because not only is he doing it because he loves his father, but he has a father-son relationship with the apostles right there. And he knows he's about to leave. And he's speaking to the father, Abba Father, knowing that the Abba Father needs to reach out to those disciples when he leaves and they're going to be scared he loves them like a daddy does remember that and when you feel alone which you will there's going to be days you feel alone in this world and remember Abba Father loves you and he sent his son and he lives in you now here we go chapter 17 when Jesus spoke these words he lifted his eyes toward heaven and said Father the hour has come Glorify your son, that your son may also glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, he will give eternal life to all whom you have given him. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, I have glorified. You on the earth, I have finished the work you have given me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory which I had with you before the world existed. Isn't that amazing? Listen to these words. I have revealed your name to the men whom you gave, have given me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word, 
Now they know that all things you have given me are from you. For I have given them the words which you gave me. They have received them and certainly know that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All that are mine are yours and all that are yours are mine. And I am glorified in them. I am to be no longer in the world, though these are in the world, for I am coming to you. Holy Father, through your name, keep those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. I have kept those whom you have given me, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, he's talking about Judas, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and I say these things in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. By the way, the world feels the same way about you. The world hates your guts and liver. Cannot stand you. They cannot stand you when you speak of Jesus. They cannot stand your loving heart. And you know why? It's not because of you. It's because of he who lives within you. That's a compliment. It's not an insult. Although you may take it as one. Be thankful that Christ is seeing you. Moving on, verse 15. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Talking about the disciples. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. He's talking about you. He's talking about you. He's talking about you. That they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. May they also be one in us, that the world that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory which you gave me, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfect in unity, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am, that they may see my glory which you have given me, for you love me before the creation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. I have declared your name to them and will declare it that the love with which you love me 
may be in them and I in them. Hallelujah. What a wonderful, strong chapter. I can feel the love of the Lord in every single word, every syllable even. I love the Lord so very much. And as you can see, Jesus loves you. He is your father and he went he went from that moment into the garden and prayed and he prayed so very hard for you. So much so that we see him knowing that he was going to die. He sweat drops of blood, as it says in the, the uh, book of Luke. And he knew what he was about to go to. And he went up on that cross and he bled knowing. And what did he say on that cross? Father, God, forgive them for they know not what they do. He knew that he was about to go through all this. But that's how much our father loves you. He loves you. He loves you. It is Father's Day. And Father's Day, talking about Father God, is to be every day. Just like you dads. It is your day every day. It's your day. It is your job. It's your position. Dads, fathers, it is your mission from God. It's your mission to serve, to lead, to guide. As it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 13, watch, stand fast in faith, be bold like men, and be strong. I love that verse. I'll say it again. Watch, this is 1 Corinthians 16, 13. It says, watch, stand fast in the faith, be bold like men, and be strong like men. That, that's how we got to be. Don't let the world throw us asunder. Follow God the Father. It tells us all sorts of other things. And one of my very favorite verses I quote all the time. I'm only going to give you a part of it. Only a part of it. Just a part. And that's Joshua 24, 15. Choose today whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love Psalm 68.5. I always got a, a million verses on here. And only go through half of them. But on Psalm 68, 5, it says, God in his holy dwelling is a father of the fatherless and a champion of widows. Isn't that great? A father of the fatherless. Today, for so many of us, his dads are no longer with us. Or maybe you didn't know your dad. But today you have Father God, Abba Father, and he's with you. You're not fatherless today. You have Father God. And this is not an insult to anyone's biological father or stepfather or whatever. But God is better than them all. And why? We've never made a mistake, never done wrong. As much as we love our daddies, even our daddies make mistakes. <laughs> but keeping this in mind about your daddy, God selected them to be the one to bring you into this world. And I want you to remember that. Whatever people tell you your dad was no good, or your dad made this mistake or did this or did that. And maybe you had a father who made a share of mistakes. Just remember, he was selected by God to be the one to bring you into the world. And you just remember that. And just thank God for that. Not all the stuff he did, but remember that. And be thankful for that. And pray for him. And if they're not with us, just pray for their memory. And that's okay. As far as those who still are here, if they don't know the Lord, if they're doing something wrong, your children, your family, people around, just pray for them. That's all you can do. Pray for your family. Pray for them. 
Always do. And I'm going to close today. I'm going to close today. I'm going to close with Luke chapter 12, verse 32. You know, God leads us and guides us. And he's the great, he's the great physician. He's a great shepherd. He's so many other things. And I love this verse. Jesus said this in Luke 12, 32. It says, do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Isn't that beautiful? I'm going to read that one more time before we close. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. If by chance, is anyone out there today watching online who's never asked Jesus Christ to be their father for salvation? That can change today. Call unto him and he can be your father God today. You can ask Jesus in your heart this very day. Or perhaps right now you're going through an awful lot of problems. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's, it's through health. Maybe right now you're just you're looking for a place you can call your own. And I'm talking spiritually. Maybe you really are having a hard time at home. God can help you. He can lead you and guide you. This can be the day that Father God, Abba Father, can help you. You don't have to run around anymore. God wants to lead you and guide you. Maybe you've been feeling like you don't have a, uh, someone that can listen to you, that can help you. Maybe God is calling you home. And I don't mean to leave this world. He's calling you home to his arms. Maybe he's just calling you home to come to him like he did to the to the uh, the son who ran away and came back home. You know, that can happen to you today. Maybe you ran away from him. But he sends you right back to his arms today. Come back to him. That's what you need. Let's bow in prayer. Dear precious Heavenly Father, I pray, I pray that you lead us and guide us. I pray, Lord God, if there be any prodigal children, that we come back to you today. I pray, Lord God, if there be anyone who's never asked you into their heart as a personal Lord and Savior, that today would be the day that they are saved. I pray, Lord God, if there's anyone, Lord God, who's going through loneliness and they feel so alone, that this would be the day, Lord God, that they will call out to you through prayer and know that they're never alone. If there's someone, Lord, who's just going through absolute depression, I pray, Lord God, that right now, they will feel your presence upon them. Lord Jesus Christ, I pray right now for those who feel like they have nothing that they can do, that they will feel your presence upon them and know that, Lord, you always have something for them, that you, Lord, have a meaning upon their lives. Lord God, I pray. I pray for the people right now who are just searching for you, that you will show them the truth. I pray all this in the holy name.